You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan, the radio flagship home of your Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, now co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday. That is uh, central time on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, Brian, how are you? Or, or I should say, how are you going to be later today? People are listening to this on Friday. Uh, what time should they tune in to hear your bet pay off on, on G-Bag Nation? It's going to go at... Uh... We have what's uh, a segment at 5.30 Central called What You Thinking and What You Drinking. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, Bobby's being a little bit of a smart A right now. <laughs> so he has to bring up the fact that in our survivor pool, if you lose, you have to do a payoff. And so we have various things. I had to drink uh, a beer out of a gym shoe. <laughs> a shoey. I've, done that. I've done a shoey already. Uh, I had to two weeks ago drink the straw dog drink. Yep. I drank scotch. I drank Johnny Walker out of a cup, twelve ounce cup, but I used a hot dog as the straw. So I had to get that all squared up. It actually wasn't terrible. Okay. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm in a situation where uh, I have to drink. And let me. I, I've got, I've got the concoction for you here. This is minced garlic, a McDonald's yeah. quarter pounder with cheese, half a red onion, spicy brown mustard, and an unpeeled orange, all blended together with Miller Lite. Is this going to be the worst yeah. payoff of the three? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to be. Uh, the orange, I've got to where it's actually don't have to use the peel. Okay, peel Yeah, I peel this orange. So, yeah, uh, you mentioned it. Uh, cheeseburger. Garlic, minced garlic, half a red onion, and then, uh, yeah. But you know what? There was, I drew out of a hat. Uh huh. I drew out of a hat. I could have drawn tuna fish and I could have drawn anchovies. 
And I didn't do that. You lucked out then because the anchovies would have been brutal. Oh, Oh. the anchovies would have been brutal. That, that I love food. I love cooking. I don't think I'll ever, ever, ever use a meal with anchovies. (laughs) And anytime somebody says use anchovies, I'll, I'll just skip to the next video. So yeah, going to have to use that. And, uh, you know, going to grind it all up in the blender and uh, then I have to drink it for what you're thinking and what you're drinking. So, you, so I can so I can make a so I can get back in the, the picking. So yeah. you guys uh, 530 just you'll be hearing this today on Friday. So 530 p.m. Go look up 105 through the fan. The Odyssey app twitch.tv slash Dallas fan cam. You can see brought us uh, consume this drink. You're, you're a brave man. I would just decide to be out of the Survivor League. I would just say, okay, I can't get back in. I'm, I'm out for the rest of the year because I'm not drinking that. That's where I would have been with that, Brian. So you're a braver man than I am. Let's actually talk some football now. Let's talk about, about these, that. Yeah. Let's talk about these Detroit Lions, a, a football team that I, I don't know about you, Brian. I feel like this is a team that is better than one and four. I, I mean, they've yeah. got their problems for sure. They, they, they have a tough time defensively. But overall, I feel like Dan Campbell's actually building something that I, I kind of like there, and and I like what the the pieces that they have in place now. I think they've done a good job putting Jared Goff in a position to succeed. Their running back trio is really really good. Um, their their offensive line has done a decent job this year. They've got some weapons in the passing game. It's just been that defensive side of the ball where they're getting gashed in the running game. They have some trouble in coverage. It, it's not a great defense, but. Overall, what's your big takeaway from this Detroit Lions football team that the Cowboys will be taking on on Sunday? Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a fun game. And I say that because I want to believe that everything will be fine and dandy with Dak Prescott in this football game. I I want to believe that. But the last time that we saw Dak play, he he wasn't very good. The team wasn't very good. So – with all that being said, I'm kind of in that mode right now where I'm thinking, well, you know, everything says that the Detroit defense is awful. And by all metrics, it is. Uh, you mentioned they've got some they've got some good players. They've got some some guys that are, are very, very capable, but they just haven't stopped anybody. They haven't kept people from scoring. Uh, you know, just every metric that you want to talk about a defense, they're poor in. Yeah. And but flip it to the other side, every metric that you talk about when it comes to running the football and scoring points, they're really good at. Right. And you know, that's that's where it worries me a little bit if all of a sudden this turns into a game where it's close or even or it's back and forth, that the Lions are able just to say, okay, we're going to stick with our offense. We're going to run the football, whether Swift plays or Williams or Reynolds or any of these guys, you know, they're going to stick. If they get to stick to their game plan of just running the ball and then doing the best they can and taking some play-action shots with Jared Goff, with Josh Reynolds and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, yeah. you know, and, and then also, too, with T.J. Hawkerson, the tight end, uh, you know, I that's the things that kind of scare me a little bit. But don't let this thing get even or don't let it go back and forth, you know, and don't give the 
Detroit defense any reason to want to play better in this game. Because I was watching the tape this week of the, the, the Lions, and they've got the Vikings down 14 nothing. Yep. And you're like going, wow, okay, here we go. And then, you know, the defense kind of falls apart. But Matt, they played Madison a lot of close Cook. games. They played a lot of close games. The only game that they've looked really, really bad at was the last one out against New England right before the bye. Yeah, and look, even though this defense has has struggled, uh, I think that they've they've got talent there. You mentioned it. I, I, I mean, they've they've had I think three rookies on defense play really really well so far. Um, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously the top pick. I, I think that you know he's he's played well. He he's still a rookie. Um, you know, there's still some growing there, but I think Malcolm Rodriguez has played well at linebacker. I think Kirby Joseph has played well at safety. So they've got some good rookies there on the defensive side of the ball, but obviously where they've really struggled so far this year, Brian on defense is that running game and Dallas looking to kind of work Dak Prescott back in. Is this a game that you think is ripe for? Hey, let's really try and punch him in the mouth early, establish the run, and then we'll work Dak back in, you know, slowly as this game progresses. And once we've kind of established, you know, our, our offense and, and and our control in this game. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I, you know, everybody's like, well, the game plan changed and all that. I don't think the game plan changes, but how committed is Dak Prescott to want to run the football, you know, and, and maybe some of the things that he saw that he's like, Hey, this defense I have, you know, on our team is damn good. Yep. And if I don't make mistakes, you know, they lose the Philadelphia game. You, you talk to people in that organization, they felt like they lost the Philadelphia game because of the turnovers. Yep. And, and that, and that's not to blame at all. The loss on, on, uh, you know, the quarterback on Cooper rush, but they, they they really, really, really believe with their heart if they don't give Philadelphia short field uh, opportunities, yeah, they, they, there were some things that they weren't very good at, but the turnovers were killer in that game. And so I, I think that if Dak Prescott and this offense and Kellen Moore try to establish the run a little bit, you know, get Ezekiel Elliott going a little bit, you know, let the young tight ends have some blocks, you know, let uh, Terrence Steele, who I absolutely destroyed on this platform and others, you know, let him get going again. I mean, he's played very well since the Tampa game. Yep. You know, so I, I kind of feel like that that would be the plan. The, the best plan is, A, Dallas, you run the ball, you convert third downs, and you score points, and that will put the Lions' offense into, okay, now – can we run the ball? Can we, you know, can we convert third downs and can we score points? Two of the three, they really do very, very, very well. So, yeah, I, I don't think you could get into a game where uh, it's just, you know, three and out, three and out, three and out, and, or, you know, Dak turn the ball over and throw it into tight coverage and it not come up, uh, you know, come up in one of his receivers' hands. This is going to be a very, very tricky game that, you know, with Dak coming back, Make sure you run the football. Make sure you protect the ball, but make sure you do a better job on third down. You know, one of the hallmarks of this defense, one of the things that you've heard people say a lot about this Cowboys defense is they're fast. Man, they fly to the ball. They swarm. They're, they've got this incredible speed. And, and that can occasionally get you in trouble when you're not playing under control. It can cause for missed tackles like it did in the Giants game, like it did last week against Philadelphia. 
when you look at Detroit, one of the things that I saw, it appeared on offense that they like to do is they like to get things kind of flow in this way and then come back this way. They like the play action stuff. They like the boots. They like to do all these sorts of different things. How does Dallas find that line? I asked this to, to Kenny Gant, the shark, the, uh, the other night when I was doing Cowboys crosstalk. How does Dallas find the balance, Brian, between you know, leaning into what they do best, which is playing fast and swarming and things like that while still playing under control and not getting caught in over-pursuit while still playing disciplined? Where is that fine line? And does Detroit, with the capable backs they have, the way they seem to, you know, play pretty well when they go to a play-action game, when they do some of the boots and waggles and things like that, get things flowing another direction, um, how does Dallas combat some of that and, and play disciplined while still playing really fast and swarming to the ball? Well, we saw what happens when a team plays RPO football and makes them have to think about what's their what's their assignments and what are their responsibilities. And it was really, really clear that it wasn't good enough against Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like that. You know, Michael Parsons learned a really valuable lesson in that game. I think Dan Quinn learned a valuable lesson in that game. Yeah, you have to play with discipline. You have to play with your eyes. You have to trust your technique. We had uh, Demarcus Lawrence on our station on Thursday, yep. you know, and, and he was talking about playing in gaps, playing in your lanes, playing in control. You know, all these things that when you when you look at the Lions, you say, well, if you don't tackle well, there's going to be problems. If you're not physical enough, there's going to be some problems. So, I, I I think the lesson was pretty good for them that they, they've got to do all the things I just said. You know, and Dan Quinn will figure out, like, listen, I can't let an offense paralyze uh, Micah Parsons the way he did or the way the Eagles did last week in that football game. But you're absolutely right. Discipline with eyes, discipline with technique, and discipline with the ability of, like, don't play hero ball. Do your assignment, and if everybody does their assignment, they'll be just fine. If I were to say, Brian brought us what's one area or one player that has you really concerned this week with the Detroit Lions, who is it going to be? Yeah, I. you know what? I If they get into a game, now let's see what happens with DeAndre Swift. You know, he's been dealing with injuries since week three. He's got a shoulder problem. Uh, you know, if he, if he could come back, uh, this week, they, they were kind of thinking that maybe he could. Uh, but he's a guy, when you start, that the averaging eight yards of carry, that's legitimate stuff. I mean, that's not just, you know, that's that's physical football right yeah. there. You know, that is, that's getting it done. Uh, he definitely scares me offensively. I, I think also, too, I mentioned uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, he's you know, been great. That's a guy that is, my he is like all over the field, and they throw him the ball out of the slot. They hand it to him. They they do things to get him the football, and when he's in space, he's tough. He's tough to. I mean, he's a smaller guy, but man, he is tough to get down because of how quick and elusive he is when it comes to having the ball in his hand. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Swift there. I I've got a concern. I mean, I, I think all these backs that they have there are really talented. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think that you know, you look at DeAndre Swift. Um, you, you look at uh, Craig Reynolds. I think has, has looked good in the reps that I saw of his. And Jamal yeah. Williams is a concern for me, just because he's such a powerful runner. He's tough. God, and, he's tough. And, and th- that just concerns me. Then, of course, we always know. That, that we've got to watch tight ends against this football team. And TJ Hawkinson is a really, really good one. Yeah. Well, the thing with the Cowboys and these tight ends, we had huge concern last week with Dallas Goddard in this game. Kept it under control. Kept it totally under control. The Cowboys are keeping these tight ends under wraps. They're not allowing them to have big plays. Right about five yards a catch. No touchdowns. I'd say they got a pretty good handle and But you're right. Hawkinson is one of those guys when he was coming out of Iowa in 2019, you know, him and that Noah Fant, those were the two big tight ends from Iowa. This Hawkinson could block his ass off yeah. at Iowa. And so there's things you see. I mean, you start to talk about complete tight end guys. He clearly is one of those guys. Now, if you're Dan Campbell and you're on the other side of the football, let's let's try and get in their mind a little bit. If you're Dan Campbell, what are you telling your team this week? Like, hey, we've got to lock the, this right here. This has got to be a focus for us. Because, I, I mean, I think it's easy to look at the running game and say that the, the running game is going to be an aspect of it. But, man, I, I saw some stuff on tape that if Dak Prescott wants to come back and rekindle his connection with Michael Gallup, I think there's opportunities if they want to take him. Yeah, he's telling his front seven on defense. He's challenging Aiden Hutchinson. He's ha- uh, challenging uh, Michael Brockers. Uh, you know, he's challenging his linebackers, Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez, and and then Anzalone. He's challenging those guys that listen. They're going to come in here and try and take your lunch money. You know, they're gonna they're gonna think that they're gonna be able to run the football because you guys have proven you haven't stopped anybody. So the front seven, if you're Dan Campbell, you're challenging your front seven because Deshaun Elliott, their safety, is a pretty good player that they've got from Baltimore. Um, You know, he comes down in the box, he'll make some tackles, but it's really if the Lions are going to win this game, it is going to be defensively, and it's going to be about the front four and those linebackers. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, it does appear as if the Cowboys have their starting quarterback back in the lineup this week. Dak Prescott should be a full go. Before we talk about that, we need to talk about our wonderful partner over at Boomer Jacks. Boomer Jacks is the spot for whatever type of outing you're looking for. If you're looking for a spot with the family to have dinner, Boomer Jacks fits that perfectly. If you're looking for happy hour with the coworkers, Boomer Jacks is the spot. If you're looking for just somewhere to go catch the game, any game, whatever the game is, 
you're going to want to go to Boomer Jacks. The ice cold beer, the great drink special starting at $3. And Tuesday and Wednesday are the perfect night to go if you're a big wing fan. Tuesday night, it's half price bone-in wings. Wednesday night, it's half price boneless wings. So whatever your fancy is, Boomer Jacks has you set up, has you hooked up. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music. Like I said, ice cold beer. It is the perfect spot. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. Rhythm and timing is what he looks for in a quarterback after a prolonged layoff. Any way you can get that other than just the practice reps? Is there any way to duplicate that and when you do the work on the side or not? Yeah, I mean, just in film for one. Uh, just make sure you know what you're seeing. You get ahead of that. Uh, you got to get ahead of him mentally. Take those mental reps. Uh, and then when you get out there, um, yeah, you, you just go through. Practice obviously helps. Uh, just getting the speed of everything, the timing. And uh, I feel like I put myself in a good spot. I had a good practice today. Uh, I'm just excited just to get back out there. What were you able to do today? And after Micah's greeting, did you show him what you can do? <laughs> yeah, I think we finished the drive on a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I did everything. I mean, I wasn't limited by any means. wasn't a pitch count. Uh, I think I threw about 140 balls or something like that. That's a made up number. <laughs> yeah. But there was no pitch count. And I was just, yeah, we're a full go. Now, just to be clear, you are starting Sunday. I am. And how? <laughs> I think anyway, so. Yeah. Dak Prescott speaking with reporters on Thursday. That's a guy who's been itching to get back out there. And and he said that, he, he had to admit, he said really the, the only game where it became really tough for him was just this past week against Philadelphia, which coincidentally, the game that they lost and the one that they probably could have used him the most while he was out, uh, but, but said it was really just this past week because the other times he wasn't medically even able to go. He knew it wasn't even something in his head, whereas this time he felt a little closer and he felt like, man, I could be out there helping my football team and I can't. Now it appears that he's back for Detroit. He just jokingly said there, I'm playing. And then, and then he kind of went, well, I mean, like I expect I, he's playing. Dak Prescott's going to play on Sunday. He's going to start. Uh, Brian, before we we take a look at I, I want to kind of take a look at how this offense looks since the last time we saw him. When opening night against Tampa, it was so bad for Dak Prescott, but it was so bad for that entire unit um, that, that I think it, it bears kind of just reassessing where they are from that first night. Uh, but, but what's your expectation? Obviously he's going to be a full go. He's, he's, I don't think he's going to be limited in any capacity, but do you think they're going to ease him back in with the game plan? Do you think we're going to see the, the patented, you know, it's always been the thing that, uh, when they want to get Dak comfortable, it's that PA waggle, you know, that boot off to the side and then finding Dalton Schultz. I, I would, if you were going to make me bet money on his first throw, it's that. Uh, but but how much the Dalton think, Schultz yes, probably yes the Dalton <laughs> Schultz you you do the play action you roll out to your right and you find that soft completion to Dalton Schultz that would be my guess for the first throw. But uh, do you think we're going to see them largely lean on the running game early, set up some softer looks for him, and and just allow him to get his timing back? I wouldn't be surprised if with max protection and tried to launch that thing down the right sideline. To see if Jeff Akuda or anybody else can make a make a play. No, I. I hey, I, hey! It's, I'm, it's, I'm laughing at it right now, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's, it's important I, to remember. You remember when he had the shoulder issue in 2021? They came out and what was the first pass they threw? It was a 30 yard pass down the left sideline to Amari Cooper. So that's not completely out of the question to say. Let me show you what I got. Yeah, I I do feel like that. You mentioned the waggles, the boots, uh, you know, spot routes, anything that's uh, the outs. Anything to kind of just get him a little rhythm, get him going, I think are going to be big plays for him. Uh, you know, it's it's so it's 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 going to be for the offense really so nice to have him back. 
Because the last time he played quarterback, there were so many things bad that happened to him and bad to the offense. Yep. And it didn't even look like it, it just kind of it, it, it opened up all those old wounds that you were thinking of uh, the problems and the things that we were talking about. And, you know, there were so many questions about the offensive line and what was going to happen at left tackle. What was going to happen at left guard? How bad's the right tackle? Does the center really need to be replaced? Are they really going to be able to run the ball with this line? How is Zeke in good enough condition? Shouldn't Pollard be playing more? Every one of those questions. And then all of a sudden you play the game, and then Dak gets hurt. Curse gets hurt. You know, gosh, do you have to trade for a receiver? What's going on here? You know, it, it was really – the sky was falling. Uh, yeah. You know that I remember that post game. Uh, you know, late into the night, just like my gosh, is this team just done in week one? Will do I need to start looking at college players now? <laughs> you know, are they going to yeah. have the third overall pick? You know, uh, it, it, there were just so many things that went wrong that first night, and for them to be in this position right now, where they're four and two. Two home games back to back before the bye, and then two more games. They're getting all these uh, NFC North games out of the way. Yep. Two, two before the bye, two after the bye, and you know you got to find a way. You go four and zero in these these NFC North games. That's that's a that's a that's a good thing. I mean, the Giants have already beaten the Packers. You know, so uh, the Eagles have already beaten the Vikings. So, you know, the, you got you to gotta find a way to win these games and, and stay in tune. But, man, there were so many questions after that Tampa game and so many questions going into the Tampa game. Uh, they're, they're very, very fortunate to be where they are right now. Yeah, and let's, let's just kind of reassess position group by position group where they are now with Dak Prescott returning versus where they were when he left. Uh, offensive line, Brian, do you feel better now than you did at the end of that first game? I think that... Terrence Steele, that was his worst game of the year. That was Connor McGovern going out, and you feeling like we have no idea when McGovern's coming back. The I think Tyler Smith has been better since then. Biotis has been good. It's funny, the, the one area where you probably don't feel as good as you did at the end of week one is maybe Zach Martin, who's been a little inconsistent this year. Yeah, I asked you, uh, asked you this question on the G-Bag Nation on Thursday. I yeah. said, Bobby, is, is Terrence Steele the second best offensive lineman for the Cowboys. And you're asking me, he goes, well, who's the first? And you automatically assume it's Zach Martin. And so I'm like, okay, let me rephrase this question. <laughs> is Terrence Steele playing? Is Terrence Steele right now playing the best of all the offensive linemen? And I think there's an argument that you could say yes. Yeah. You know, there's an argument that, you know, that he has, has done an outstanding job you know, these last five weeks since that debacle that he had uh, against Tampa. Yep. Yeah. And I think that as a whole, you got to feel better about that unit. I, I mean, I think Tyler, yes. I, mean, yes. I think Tyler Smith is better than he was in week one. I don't think we've seen radical progression. I don't think he's, he's leaps and bounds better than he was in week one. Uh, but I do think he's improved as a player. And I, I think that Connor McGovern is a better player than the one we expected to see before he rolled an ankle, you know, seven plays into the season. Um, but right now I think that the offensive line, you have to feel better about the offensive line that's blocking for Dak today. than that was blocking for him when he got hurt uh, on that play 
play in the fourth quarter, which at that point was Matt Farniak at left guard too. Um, yeah. So I, I think you feel better about that. Jump back a little bit in the backfield. Feel better about the running backs than you did in week Absolutely. one? Absolutely. I, I think in Ezekiel, it, you know, there's always the argument that Tony Pollard needs more touches. You know, we talked about it again on the G-Bag Nation on Thursday. Does Tony Pollard need more touches? Oh, you'd like to get him more touches? Sure. Tony Pollard's an explosive player. But Ezekiel Elliott is playing really, really well for you right now. Yeah. You know, is the physicality he's played with, the ability to block uh, on the pass protection stuff. I mean, he, he he's he's a he's a monster when it comes to converting third and ones, you know, those short yardage plays. I mean, he is he is really, really good. And it's hard to say, well, take him off the field. Hell, he was one of your better players against the Eagles. He was your best offensive. He was your best offensive player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, am I crazy, Brian, for for wondering? And I've wondered this given the state, given the state of the receivers, which we'll get to in a sec. Given the state of the receivers, am I crazy for thinking the best personnel grouping for this team is eleven personnel with Schultz at tight end, Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, Gallup and Lamb on the outside, and Pollard in the slot. I don't think you're wrong about that. I really do think Noah Brown's got some clutchness to him. He though. does. He does. I really do. And the guy that's worrying me a little bit is, is Gallup. You know, and, he, and I'll tell you where Gallup is worrying me. I, I don't see him extend for balls. I don't see him, you know, I don't see him go get it. Uh, there's, you know, he's a long guy. And yeah. he's, it's not like, you know, receivers are going through him and knocking passes down. He doesn't body anybody out, you know, and, and just protect. And, I mean, he makes incredible sideline adjusting, contorting, crazy catch. But you wonder, you're like, man, just can you extend, yeah. just extend your hands, catch the ball, you know, hold it, and then, you know, get up the field. But you don't always see that from him. And he just too many times, I think guys like Noah Brown, I think they'll go do that. You know, I they, I wish this guy, I wish this team had a guy like, and, and I'm going to say this, like a Des Bryant that plays with that nastiness and that go get the ball. You're not, I have to catch you with one hand. I mean, Noah Brown made a hell of a catch that didn't count the other day. Yep, yep. But that's that's the kind of that's the kind of players you need Lamb and then also uh, Gallup to to kind of become. Which will and we'll talk about the receivers more in depth here in a sec. But uh, really quickly, last position group before we get into receivers, do you feel better about the tight end group that you did at the end of week one? Uh, Dalton Schultz obviously hasn't performed up to the level that you wanted. But I think you've seen some things from Peyton Hendershot, and I think you've seen a lot from Jake Ferguson. I, I feel really yeah. good about Jake Ferguson. And and while Schultz has been maybe a little disappointing from from where he was at, I think we'll, we'll we expect him to kind of return to his normal self once he's got Dak back there. They, they've got a really strong connection. So for me, tight end, another group that I feel better about. Offensive line, running back, tight end, I feel better about all those positions than I did at the end of week one. I'll tell you what, the thing about Ferguson that's really, really interesting is that, you know, he is – he to me, and I said this on uh, on uh, Cowboys Break today on uh, with DallasCowboys.com with Nick Eatman, Amber Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. This that five to six week period between the time that you and I stepped off the field 
at OTAs and stopped watching practice till the time we got on a plane and went to Oxnard. He took that time and got physically bigger. Yes. He got because I were, you know, looking at his Wisconsin tape, he's like a, a linear 250-pound guy. And you kind of see, like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. But he's a bigger guy. And he's and he looks quicker. He looks, he looks the ability to adjust him, Hendershot. They've done a great job. You have not needed Dalton Schultz no. the last three weeks. No. You haven't. I mean, and I will say this though. You're going to need Dalton Schultz, though. Don't, I, I, I don't care. If, if you have to use Dalton Schultz up and he goes away somewhere else, fine. But while you, while you have him under contract under this franchise tag, feel free to throw him every ball and let him make every catch he can. Use him up, and then you got the guys, the young guys to step in. And if you have to go get another guy next year with those uh, other two guys, by all means, go do it. The other position, the final position, the receiver group. Stunningly enough, because you have Michael Gallup back, Noah Brown has stepped up and played better. Um, CeeDee Lamb is better than he was in week one. I don't feel better about the receivers than I did in week one. The receiver group is extremely concerning to me. And and, and the only reason why I don't think the Cowboys are in full panic mode about it is because they're like, let's see him, let's see this group with our quarterback. And I think that once they see the quarterback, but if you get three, four weeks into this, if you get through this NFC North stretch and maybe a little before then, you know what? Maybe it's just these next two games because the trade deadline's on the first. So, so maybe you need to make a decision sooner than that. But I, I think if you get through these next, you know, this little stretch against the NFC North and it doesn't look any better, it's like, okay, to me, at least right now, priority number one in the draft next year is a wide receiver. Yeah, they'll probably tell you they're going to need a defensive lineman or something, or a linebacker. Let's see what Clark. Let me, let's see Clark. Yeah, I want to see Clark. I want to. Sc- I, want, I want to score. I just want to score twenty-seven points, Brian. Give me your receiver. Yeah. No, I, I, you know what, I, I, I don't know. They might look at this and say they need a center or something. I mean, sure. You never know. Yeah, uh, they, they, they need to get better at defensive tackle. They need to get better at yeah. center. But but to me, when we're talking about the only the only group I don't feel better about from week one to now is the receivers in terms of on the offensive well, side of I, the ball. I feel better about Michael Gallup being part of that because sure. I kind of feel like that him and Dak have a really good rapport when it comes to those crazy ass plays that he makes. Yep. You know, and let's see if let's see if. If if that could be accurate, getting him the football. I mean, it, it's been a struggle, and I, I kind of feel like though that Dak coming back. If if you get to these two games and there's not really an improvement at receiver, or they didn't get Lamb going, or they didn't get Noah Brown going, or they didn't get somebody going because of Dak being in the game, I, I'll come on this podcast with you and talk about names during that open week that we need to discuss to go trade for. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our favorite segment of the show. It is our listener mailbag. Before we jump into those listener questions, though, I need to one more time say thank you to our show sponsor, Boomer Jacks. 
you know, when uh, Brian and I found out that Boomer Jacks was coming in to sponsor this podcast, we were thrilled because uh, we would be eating at Boomer Jacks regardless because it's a great spot. Cold beer, wonderful appetizers, wonderful entrees. Uh, you really can't go wrong with anything on that menu. I've had listeners ask me before, you know, hey, what should I get? The burgers are fantastic at Boomer Jacks. You need to go check those out. Uh, but really, anything you get at Boomer Jacks is going to be fantastic. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, cold drinks, the coldest beer in DFW, great drink special starting at $3, and the time to go if you are a fan of wings, which I am, Brian is, I think everybody is, Tuesday and Wednesday night. Tuesday night, it is half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday night, it is half-price boneless wings. So Boomer Jacks is hooking you up, making sure to look out for your wallet and look out for your stomach. They are there for you. 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, first question here from at in the clutch 75 an old uh, longtime uh, Twitter friend here. Question is, is Dak coming back enough to cover over or, or to overcome the holes at left guard and wide receiver? I, I think the left guard's playing a lot better. I do too. I think the mo- the mobility. I don't have problems with the offensive line. You go into Philadelphia, the hostile environment, and give up no sacks, and they're supposed to be the best offensive line in the league, and they give up, what, four sacks? Yep. Should have given on. up more. Jalen Jalen Hurts spared you from another four, probably. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of, you know, I, I don't work like you mentioned. We've talked about what's going on at wide receiver. Let's see what Dak does with these receivers. Let's see, and you know, maybe the maybe the next two weeks are a bad example, and you got to get ready. You know, uh, the Packers will be better at in the secondary. The Vikings will be better in the secondary. But give me these first these two games back. And see if you know if see get things rolling and you know go into this bye week being six and two. I, I man, that's to me that that that's the thing that kind of sets you up. And the fact that the 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 trade deadline's on your bye week, now you can focus on what you need to do. You know, you don't have to worry about practicing and all that stuff. You can go in there and say, okay, let's make a deal to kind of figure out what we need to do to make this team better. A question here from George. He's asking, uh, since we're talking about the Eagles already, just referencing back a little bit, did the Eagles reveal the blueprint on how to slow down Micah? Option plays, RPOs, bootlegs. Yeah, it's the RPO stuff. I mean, and if I'm Dan Quinn, now the trick is, Dan Quinn has made Micah Parsons what Micah Parsons is. Last time, week two, last season, Tank Lords gets hurt. They don't have a pass rusher going to the Los Angeles Chargers game. What do they do? They put Micah Parsons in there, and as they say, the rest is history. So now it's up to Dan Quinn to kind of figure out, like, okay, if if we play teams at RPO, you're going to get RPO likely from the Bears, you know, with with their with their quarterback. So if I'm Dan Quinn, and I don't know if it's if it's this simple as to say, you attack the ball, we'll cover everything else. Wherever, if you feel like you need to go flying inside, attack the mesh point, the quarterback, whatever you need to do, do it. Just go attack. Don't even think about it. You know, if you make a mistake, we'll cover behind you. But I, I'm figuring out a way not to make Micah Parsons have to sit there and make a decision to play the uh, play the quarterback or the ball carrier. I'm just saying go attack. You know, and uh, again, that might be way slim, simplistic to say, but making him have to think, slows him down. And I don't mean it in slowing down like he's 
he's a dumb guy or he's not football intelligent right, right. like that. I'm just saying you're giving him an assignment, and its assignment is take the ball or excuse me, take the quarterback or take the the ball carrier, whoever it is. You know, they slow you down with those RPOs. That's what the RPO defense does. Or excuse me, the offense does. It slows you down. It slows the whole defense down. You know, that's why it's a successful offense. Would you at all, in the name of, you know, seeing what Mike Parsons can do rushing the passer, we know he's very talented in that respect. Would you ever consider changing it up a little bit? Because the one area we don't typically see Micah do, we've seen it maybe a handful of times. Would you consider giving him a few reps just to see how does he handle being a wide nine and a three-point stance? Or do you just would you rather have him standing up if he's going to rush? I'd rather have him standing up and rushing. That's what I would do. I would just rather I would I would say, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, if if you want to have some rushes where you put the hand down and things like that, maybe one or two, see how it goes. But I think he's best when he can stand up and see what's going on. You know, when you hand down, you're kind of coming off low. You're not seeing low blocks. You're not seeing things. I mean, when you when you get into a guy, you know, you when he's standing up, he has a really good feel for how to fight while he's up 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 high. And so I, you know, if you want to once or twice see what it looks like, maybe so, but I, I'm still letting him rush from a standing up position. Question here from uh I, I'd argue our most loyal listener, uh Dean Julia. We're in week seven already. Is it fair to say we're not going to have any expectations for Jalen Tolbert for the rest of the season? Pretty disappointing. Or is the return of Dak going to change that? I think the, the I think the return of Dak is going to is going to change that. I, I really, so. really do. I hope so. Because, yeah, uh, because, yeah. Because because if you were to point to one area that's been the most disappointing, or a player that's had the most disappointing relative to expectations, I think you might be able to say the fact that your third round receiver in a starved position group has been inactive yeah. most of the season. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, yeah. I I I'd like to believe I'd like to believe that he that it's going to be better for him. I you know I don't know. I mean it's I say it with hope, but I also. Every game that goes by, you're kind of in that situation where you're like, okay, is he picking it up? Is he is he helping you? Yep. Is he learning? You know, maybe the experience of being active every week will help him, you know, and maybe they'll find a way to get him involved some way somehow, but please don't force it. I, I just, the, the more natural this can come, probably the better it will be, but Man, he. It, 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 I'm not gonna lie, and I don't think you'll lie either. I think that's been a disappointment for this football. Team. Yeah, and I, I think they tell you that. I think they tell you they're disappointed. Uh, you, you know, maybe they they may not say it publicly. You he know, looked, he looked ready. He looked he like did. a ready made player coming out of South, uh, out, of South out of South Alabama. South Alabama. He absolutely did. did. To get him going, do you think? There just maybe needs to be certain packages they work on or, or just limit the tree that he's running. Like, hey, let's just have you run seven, eight, nine. Let's have you run, you know, post corners goes, um, well, you know, just basically limit yeah. it and, and take away option routes, things like that. How about how about how about show up on special teams? And then and then we'll give you opportunities. I will I will say uh, last week. Long time after everybody had come off the field, it was him and Bones Fossil alone working there on stuff. There you go. Stuff. Yeah, there you go. So they're trying. The minute, the minute that he could show, like, 
Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown, those guys, they showed they showed that they could play on special teams, and that gave them confidence to put them in offensive situations. So I think he has to do that first. Next question from Alex Hernandez. Anthony Barr hasn't had too much of an impact with this defense. Is he close to being removed from the starting lineup? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't a, think he's been good. If Damone Clark were healthy, I don't think Anthony Barr would be starting. I don't think so either. And I, you know, and that, and, and we've talked about on this uh, on this podcast too about you know Jason Peters. You yeah. know, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm watching him play, and you know, everybody's like, oh no, Jason Peters is better than McGovern. No, he's not. Not right he's now. Not. He's he's not better at guard than Jason Peters. I haven't seen him play tackle yet. He might be he might be good at tackle. He's not good at guard right now. He just isn't. And so, you know, I'm kind of hopeful that maybe that's the case. But the the two those two guys, you know, Peters and Barr, great football players. I don't think they're great football players right now. No, and it, it may be a case where and I think everybody's felt this way about both those more Barr than Peters because I think people thought Peters had a resurgence last year, but I think people have recognized Barr was on the back end of his career. Like, yeah. like I mean, I mean yeah. Peters is forty, but but Peters, I think you saw play good football last year. It's been a little bit since we've seen Anthony Barr play at a really high level, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. so I I mean that's why he was on the street as long as he was, and and you know ultimately commanded a deal similar to Leighton Vanderesh's. That's how the league kind of views him is similar to Leighton Vanderesh. Uh, next question here, another uh, quarterback receiver combo question. Uh, this one from at shoes and sports underscore. Do you think Dennis Houston will get called back up uh, now that Dax returned, or do you see Tolbert having some actual production? This is an interesting question because you remember one of the big advocates for Dennis Houston was Dak Prescott, and so if they felt like, hey, Dax out. We need to work in some of these guys that have gotten reps consistently with Cooper Rush, then maybe that's the case. I don't think I, I see a call-up coming right now, but it, it at least makes me feel like there's more of a potential that, you know, they could call on uh, Dennis Houston in the future now that Dak's back, because Dak did like him, and Dak felt yeah. like, I can trust where he's at, especially now that Simi Fajoko is, is down with that shoulder injury right now, and you have not seen a lot from Jalen Tolbert. Yeah, but also too, remember training camp practices, they had no receivers out there running. Yes. I mean, it seemed like it was just a it was like a, you know, Dennis Houston. No, if you if you're gonna put Dennis Houston on the field over Tolbert, if Tolbert proves he can't do it, they did they did then, that in week one. In week one they did put Dennis yeah, Houston out there. But over that's Tolbert. what I'm saying though. I Tolbert to me is the guy that we saw as this is a guy that we, we gave draft capital for. We, yep. we drafted this kid. I, I, I wanted him in the second. I liked yeah. him that much. Well, <laughs> well let, me, let me say this, though. If you take Tolbert off the field for Houston, then you might as well get rid of Tolbert. That's, I mean, that's very direct, but somebody asked me this question the other day. I think at a, a, a bar or something. Maybe I saw it on Twitter. I can't recall, um, but it was an interesting one. Do you think if somebody came to the Cowboys right now and said, we'll give you a fourth round pick for Jalen Tolbert, do you think they'd take it? I think so. I do too. And they just spend a third on him. And I, and I don't even, and I, I'm not saying that, that I know any inside no, it's just It's just our own read on it. So, so nobody yeah. know turning this into an article or anything, but yeah, that's just our exactly. own read on it. Uh, yeah. Last question here from Monique Riddick. How do you get the defense better against the run? Is it just about going out and trading for a defensive tackle? I don't think it's that simple, simple, Monique. I really don't. I think it's more about tank lords. I mentioned this earlier in our in our podcast. 
about playing gaps, about getting off blocks, about knowing your assignments, about tackling when you get an opportunity in the hole. I think that's where run defense is the, the best. When you stay square, everybody's got a gap. You don't get turned. You don't get hooked. You don't get washed out of a play. When the Cowboys, if you're if the Cowboys are giving up running yards in this game against the against Detroit this weekend, watch the replays. Watch who's getting turned. Watch who's getting blocked. Watch hats on hats. Watch who's not getting off blocks. That'll tell you, Monique, who who what the problems are. I mean, you don't need a former NFL scout or be a scout. You can see it with your own eyes. You know, run defense is really about gaps. It's about staying square. It's about being physical at the point of attack. And it's about finishing. When the Cowboys are good, they do all that. When they're bad, or like most teams, those are usually your problems. Brian, if I told you you could wave a magic scout wand and make one of the guys on defense right now a consistent, effective contributor in the run game, who do you think they could most use that from right now who's not necessarily playing up to that level? George Armstrong. I agree. That's the name I had was Dorch Armstrong. Armstrong. He's been so good rushing the passer. No, no, that's his deal. Dorch Armstrong, when you when you play in a system where it's twist, move, stay on the move, all those things for a defensive lineman, he's one of the better players in the league. When he has to go toe to toe and hang in there and try and, and not get hooked or knocked off the ball, it's a struggle for him. I mean, they had they had struggles with Rand, with Randy Gregory, sure. the guy the guy that you know, Golston uh, probably plays the the best when it comes to playing the end. You yeah. know, when you talk about just playing him and Tank and those guys playing, being physical and holding up, they they've had. I mean, Fowler's had some problems. Armstrong's had some problems. You know, that's what you don't need. You don't need. Defensive ends getting hooked, washed, or knocked inside. That Those are all bad things. Really quickly here as we're wrapping up, predictions for Sunday when the Cowboys kick off at noon. I am going to go ahead and say the Cowboys ultimately kind of are able to control the tempo of this game and uh, get themselves back on track. I've got Dallas 31-17 to over the Lions. Brian, who do you got? Yeah, I think the Cowboys I, – I, man, this game might go back and forth sure. in – you know, because the Lions can put pressure on you. All the Cowboys do have to do defensively is all those things I mentioned. They don't play square. They don't get off blocks. They don't tackle well. I think this is a game that the Cowboys, I, I, I'm going to say this is one of those, this is going to be, because the Lions score points. They they've do. scored points. They've scored points against everybody but New England. Yep. And I, I kind of feel like, though, they're going to get some points this game. I'm going to say the Cowboys are going to win this one 31-24. There we go. That does it for us. We will talk to you guys hopefully after a Cowboys victory on Monday.